And we're back. What is up, anybody's? This is Sales Guy Jack coming to you in solidarity. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Anybody Can Do This Show. Brought to you in collaboration with Primitive Recording Techniques. On today's show, wait, wait, what? Did, did you say new cast members? Absolutely. We beat or beat those cheeks with the new guys. Eli explains the psychology of reestablishing trust. And we end on a hopeful reading from deep inside Andy's library. Okay, you guys ready or what? Well, you should be. Because anybody can do this. It's the anybody can do this show. Yes, here we go again. Give you more, nothing less. Oh, what it do, nephews? It's your boy, neighbor Nick, and welcome to season two, episode one of the Anybody Can Do This Show. I am now joined by my two brand new co-hosts, Top Shelf Tom and Sam Leonard. Boys, welcome to the Bozos. How are you feeling? Thank you for having us, Nick. It's really an honor to be on the show, and uh, you've welcomed us with open arms. You and Eli have. Andy put us through the ringer a little bit, but it's all worth it. <laughs> oh, a little foreshadowing, no pun intended, I love it, uh, about uh, some, some nonsense over the last two weeks while we were creating, I love it. Shelf Man, how are you doing? Going to have to echo some shades of Sam's sentiment there, but I got to say, I'm just happy to be here. You know, you guys have really uh, also welcomed me in with open arms, and uh, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. Oh, no, boys, please allow me to continue the ball washing. The pleasure is all mine. Um, I mean, we've been hyping up kind of the new uh, additions to the crew. I think you two are just perfect fits to kind of jump in and, and continue this thing rocking and rolling. I know we've been off for like, what is it, like two weeks now. I think sales guy Jack just kicked us off here season two with an awesome intro, and, and we're back ready to go, man. I mean, we've been in some interesting times in the world, um, and I think everybody could, could use a few minutes of, of laughing, and, and hopefully we can help people do that so we were all thinking that the best way to kind of jump right in here to season two was just throw you guys right into the blender of beat or beat those cheeks um, oh perfect yeah so <laughs> i know uh you i think both have some experience in this am i correct we've both been on eps doing beat or beat those cheeks yeah, i've beat I've those beat cheeks for the first cheeks. time at the summer after 10th grade or no after ninth grade <laughs> Can you give us a quick Sparknote story on that, or you just want to leave it there? I would prefer to leave it there. <laughs> Fair enough. First day. Get, get yourself comfortable, and then and then nobody's like Andy, where you just jump right in and talk about shitting your pants. And right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but no, so you guys are familiar with Beat or Beat Those Cheeks. For those who aren't, that's where we throw some topics out here. If we don't like them, if we're whack, them things is beat. If we like them, if we're into them, if it feels so good, we're beating those cheeks. All right, boys, so let's start off. I'm going to throw this first one out to my man, Sam Leonard. The first Beat or Beat Those Cheeks for season two is curfews on grown adults. Beat wow. or Beat Those I'm, Cheeks. I'm happy to – you'll have to cut me off before I cover this from every angle. No, I'll keep it, <laughs> I'll keep it quick. Curfews are the most, offensive, the most offensive thing going on to me right now. Now, don't get it twisted. That's not to downplay the more central – 
issue of police brutality against minorities, especially black people. But I think, you know, we all, we all have to look at the world through our own lens. And I think the Black Lives Matter movement, if it's fair to call everything that's going on that, is only bolstered by these curfews. They contribute to the sense of oppression. They help me, not that I understand what those, these people are going through, but let's, let's, let's understand, hopefully we don't have to preface everything we say with some sort of uh, platitude about how, you mm-hmm. know, our, our privilege, which let's, let's assume allow I to think be acknowledged up front, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, um, people not being allowed to go outside makes everyone else more pissed off. And that's really beneficial to the movement is that everyone's a pissed off. It helps because of the criminalization of protesting. It's illegal to actually participate in the protest. If you're doing it after 6.30 p.m., that's got to be, I mean, the ACLU doesn't love that, I don't think. Yeah. It's these removal of very basic freedoms. And an interesting point to me, to, to finish my perspective, is just the whole Second Amendment situation. So curfews suck, but one funny thought that I had coming from it is that... Uh, uh, you know, when coronavirus, when the lockdown first happened, everyone who was anti-gun was suddenly sort of quieted a little bit. People were running out and buying them who never thought they wanted one before. Mm-hmm. Then when the these so-called riots and looting happened, whether justified or not, everyone was like, oh, yeah, you, you do kind of need a gun at this point in time, you know, just in case. And I'm not just making fun of those people because, in fact... You know, I think reasonable gun control makes sense. But the funny part is then looking back, speaking to curfews, all these 2A guys, these NRA guys, mm-hmm. you know, who we've, we need these weapons to protect our freedom in case the government gets too oppressive. Well, when you're not allowed to walk your dog from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., at what point are the guns going to come out and you defend your freedom? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably never. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You I probably think will so. never use your weapons to defend your freedom. Maybe you'll use it to defend your family, but start saying that. I, I have a gun to shoot home intruders. Stop using the excuse that you're a well-regulated uh, militia ready to revolt against the government when they get too oppressive. Because uh, it seems like we're there. No, and, and I think that just like what you said right there is perfect, Sam, about just like say what you mean. I think that goes into the curfew, too. It's just like you just want people to be out like so they can just be banging people up and beating people up and have exactly. like, that curfew as like kind of like the catch-all, right? It's like, oh, we told everybody yeah. that, to go home and, and do whatever. Like, like yeah. Shelf, I don't know what you're thinking on this, but... Well, I got to say I'm beating the cheeks of everything that Sam just said. I'm, I mean, I couldn't possibly say it any better. And if I had thought any different before hearing that, I'm, I'm beat on curfews. There's no question about it. Yeah, I think that's a resounding beat on curfews from all of us. Uh, beat on curfews. Beat, beat, beat. All right, so let's move on to the next one. The next one that we had is Twitter. So Twitter is something that... I know uh, Shelf and I kind of talked about this offline, but like Twitter has been, uh, I think, the prime news source for everything that's been going on for the last two weeks. I personally was kind of one of these people who probably before the last two weeks was like kind of scoffing at you if you were getting your news from Twitter, like checking hashtags is like your main thing. But like I found myself doing it the last two weeks. I've been beating the hell out of Twitter cheeks, man, for for a couple reasons. I'm, uh, mainly it's, 
it's for me something that I, I need to stay logged in to see what's going on all the time, man. Like some days I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I'm just tired of seeing all this nonsense and this bullshit and everybody being mad at each other. But like, I think that's part of it. I think staying logged in and going back and checking on it every day is like keeping it at the forefront of everybody's mind and not just making it like a, a, a one day, two day, one week thing. So I guess there's so much wrapped in Twitter right now, kind of just saying beat the cheeks of Twitter is is a little bit of a get out, but that's just kind of a glimpse into to what I was thinking. Mm. Uh, shelf man, like it's beat. a very interesting point you've made, Nick. That's made me soften yeah. my stance. Go on, Tom. Yeah. And I can't Sat- I can't take much credit for it because shelf uh, shelf and I were talking about it, but uh, yeah, go yes, ahead, yeah. Sadly, after uh, quite a slew of horrible culinary takes from our friend Nick here. I, I have to say I've been agreeing with him more and more recently. <laughs> I told you, uh, man, once you come you over know, to this barbecue, <laughs> I kind of know what I'm doing on this grill over here. <laughs> right? So, um, so yeah. I do. So, uh, you know, if you asked me this time last week, I probably would have said beat just because I was questioning, you know, the effectiveness of, you know, just contributing via social media, be it, you know, posting a picture or you know, a hashtag and, and the reliance of clicking a hashtag to get information where that information is coming from. But to kind of also echo what Nick's saying here, I found myself waking up every morning. The first thing I would do is search Twitter for Philadelphia just to see what kind of news is coming from. Uh, it's hard to say reliable sources, but like more frequent information. Yep. I don't know. Yep. Pick. Hey. Well, I was originally going to say that Twitter was beat, and Nick and Tom's input has softened my stance, but as a natural contrarian and, and stubborn <laughs> gentleman, I'll stick to it being beat. But but I really like your point about it connecting people, especially in a time of revolution. You know, remember Arab Spring, right? That was like the big movement that Twitter, they blocked uh, everything that happened yep. when they tried to suppress the Arab Spring. Twitter was their saving grace to keep people constantly communicated and organized, so do credit to them in that regard but um you said twitter you know not just social media yep. in general and as such i maintain that that twitter's beat it's an absolute cesspool it has the worst takes it's i used to think that i still do think that the, the two-party system the lack of a representative government they're the two biggest problems facing our economy and you know yeah, yeah. I mean, Money and politics is related to all of this stuff. Police brutality, all this shit. But uh, in the future, they may say that, that Twitter is the worst thing faking, facing our democracy. So what I've been doing is not reading Twitter. I do whenever I want to read absolute dog shit. But <laughs> I follow the uh, – there's these guys Twitch streaming, and they have these great Twitch feeds where you get like – it's just a bunch of windows open on a guy's screen, and the audio is typically the police scanner, which is great. And then he'll have like two Facebook Live videos going from different angles or two different protests that are going on, massive marches. And then he'll have some comments from Twitter or some comments for Reddit. So I've, I've found that that is, uh, in other words, Twitter doesn't have to be the way. Twitter sucks, but right. you make a good point that... that our ability to communicate freely, which Twitter has contributed to it, almost built, is I got to beat those cheeks. But Twitter, beat. No, and I kind of mm. I, I agree with you there, Sam, because like I'm almost feel like I'm beating the cheeks out of Twitter, like almost as like a last resort. Like this is like the age old kind of like corny pie in the sky thing, but like just like we need to just get some unbiased 
coverage out there, man. And like this, like this Twitch streamer guy or like whatever, like it's just like, I don't know, that's a bigger conversation than, than we have time for on this podcast, man. But it's just like, it's so hard for, you're either following everything that you just want to be told or people are just screaming at each other. It's just like, it's got potential. Twitter's got potential. Um, I think moments like this are showing it. Sam, you're making some great points too. And, and we just need to get back to just not screaming at each other, not only on Twitter, but I think everywhere. So that pretty yeah. much wraps up Twitter. Let's do one more beat or beat those cheeks and uh, we'll kind of wrap up this segment and move on to Eli Explains. So the final one is beat or beat those cheeks on the rebranding of non-lethal weapons to less lethal weapons. So I think personally this is a I am beating the hell out of this branding move by the government or the cops or, or whoever came up with this because this is a genius way for people to just get rubber bullets in the face, bean bags in the back of the knees, and, and kind of just everybody have their hands up, right? So, I mean, we're going back to Twitter. We see everybody, uh, all these kind of pictures of everything happening at the protests with kind of the protesters, the cops, all these less lethal weapons now, man. But, like, I was just, like, on Twitter this week, and I was thinking, I was like, when did we start calling these things less lethal? Like, I don't know if I missed a court case or maybe, like, <laughs> something like that. But, like, last time I checked, we called these non-lethal because they were just supposed to, like, kind of slow people down. Less lethal is just basically saying, like, yeah, we're not trying to kill you. But if we do, uh, like, yeah. it really wasn't our bad. We were trying just to hurt you. So, uh, uh, Sam, Sam, what are you beating or beat the cheeks on the new branding push? Hmm. I am unprepared. I, you know, they haven't made a, a lethal weapon film in a long time, and I thought we were we were going. From, <laughs> I thought they were going to reboot the franchise, but not make eight of them this time. And uh, you know, I like. Um, uh, I forget the gentleman's name. Is Mel Gibson? But anyway, uh, yeah, that you know, it's it's interesting. It's really twisted when a government organization uses those kind of rebranding techniques. You know, they're not lethal. They're less lethal. And, of course, we take these non-lethal, now less lethal things like rubber bullets. And the, the, the um, forces quelling the protests are all whispering in each other's ears. So you take the rubber bullet and then you put the barrel in the back of someone's throat. You release from there <laughs> and it actually becomes pretty effective, you know? So really, all you have to do is hold the person's eye open as you squirt the fire extinguisher into it, and it's actually a less lethal weapon. So it's uh, B. Yeah, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Shelf man? Um, I actually am kind of unprepared for this one. I, I hadn't heard of this change in the term. Uh, you're just, right with me, brother. You're, you're just as surprised say, as me. You know what but I'm saying? I, I would say uh, Lethal Weapon 2, I think, is the strongest when they incorporated Pesci. Oh, what, what is this? Is this some type but, of Philly collusion bullshit? <laughs> you guys are out here trying to sandbag my segment first day? No, 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 no. I'm going to say I'm gonna say beat on uh, It just seems like kind of a weak olive branch. Just the very base knowledge I have about it, it just seems uh, like a kind of weak like rebranding attempt. I don't know. It seems a cop-out, like, if you will. No yeah, for sure. Hey folks, Sam Leonard here. I just want to take a minute to thank our sponsor. The Anybody Can Do This podcast is sponsored this week by Trump Red Bricks. You loved Trump steaks. You loved Trump cigars. Trump casinos have been so wildly popular that they've plagued your communities for decades. Now we present Trump Red Bricks. 
Do you need a few thousand red bricks to build a house? Well, then these are not the bricks for you. Trump Red Bricks is not just catering to the elites capable of bulk purchasing. They're going direct to consumer. That's why Trump Red Bricks are accepting orders of one to a maximum of three bricks at the extremely affordable price of 11 cents per brick. What's unique is that they aren't even selling these bricks through a traditional point of sale system. No cash register, no awkward communications with a representative of the company, no paper trail. They're selling these bricks on the honor system. So you can really just take them. I mentioned that they're going direct to consumer. Well, where are the consumers? You may have noticed a few small, peaceful demonstrations going on in American cities these days. That is where the people are, the consumers. And that's why Trump Red Bricks has deposited large piles of Trump Red Bricks at peaceful protests around the country for you to purchase for 11 cents per brick. Now remember, these aren't free. Please make sure to mail your 11 cents plus postage. Please put a dime and a penny in an envelope and mail it to the headquarters of this for-profit business. The address for that corporate headquarters being 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C., 20006. Sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut up, will you? Sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut the fuck up. Eli explains. Rebuilding trust. Wow. Damn. The yeah. nearly impossible task. Yeah. Yeah. Not easy. True. Very true. Jesus. But I obviously wanted to talk about what's going on in the world. It's hard to not to talk about it. Right. But Agreed. I wanted to talk about something more specific that might not be being talked about as much. Um, or at least it's talked about, but not so specifically. I think this is the core or a major part of the core of the problem mm-hmm. going on now. And there's no trust between the people and the police. That's a great yeah. point, Brad, yeah, I mean, man. Definitely. Very, and very true. That's where we need to get going. We need to find a way to rebuild the trust. And instead of me just coming up with some ideas in my own head about how we do this, which I will mention, don't worry. Get, <laughs> oh, of course. You didn't think I'll we get to that point. We didn't think we were getting off that easy. Episode yeah. one. But Imagination <laughs> is power. Yeah. But, but I did do some uh, some digging here, and I listened to a few psychologists talk about how to rebuild trust. Okay. So from an expert perspective, then I, I tried to take that and apply it to the situation. Research right. bread in the building. Right. So, yeah, yeah I got to bring some bring a little heat for <laughs> season, yeah. season two here. Yeah. So uh, the core of the problem is that there's a lack of trust from coming from both sides. The people feel like they cannot trust the police most of the time, and the police don't know you know it is a bit crazy world out there Mm -hmm. and we can't you know deny the fact that being a police officer is a very difficult job true Uh, yeah it's life and death and split split second decisions need to be made Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm not look i'll say it now too obviously i'm not siding with the police and the george floyd thing like look i've been to the i went to some of the protests for the black lives matter stuff but i also do think 
you know, that I do have some sympathy for good police officers in this situation because it's not that I'm anti-police and I'm not mm-hmm. anti-black and I'm not anti-this and that. I, I think both sides, I support both sides, and I, th- I think there's been wrong done, uh, very blatant wrong done with the George Floyd thing, and it's systematic a bit. We gotta we gotta get some accountability with the police, but I just I just want it to all be good. Yes, we need well both. Said. We need both. Right. Well said. And I want it to be all good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's out of the way. But the the thing here with rebuilding trust, and this is one of the this was the most interesting thing I learned about it, was that it, it shouldn't be looked at as a team effort when you're trying to rebuild trust because you don't you're. It's at that moment when there's no trust that you're kind of not on the same team. Right. Mm -hmm. So what you need to look at is your own trustworthiness. And that's what they say the these, you know, psychologists suggested. They said if you focus on your own trustworthiness, you will then give reasons to be trusted. And if you do not do that, there's no way you will earn trust. And this is even with people that don't trust you, that have never trusted you. Yeah, but when you, when you break trust with somebody, you need to say, why, you know, what did I do? What was I doing? Where's the accountability on your end? Because that's what you need to fix. And so what's interesting with the police and such is that they have these systems where they're supposed to hold their officers accountable when mm-hmm. they do wrong. Right. And mm-hmm. what's actually happening, because... The, the people certainly feel that they aren't holding them accountable. So right. these right. systems that have in place are just not doing what's necessary. And they're not showing that they're holding people accountable. And I think that's step one. Yeah, right. yeah, I think exactly what you're saying. They have those regulations in place to keep the officers accountable when they mess up. Or, or Any job has those accountable. But yes. if, if you have those in place and you don't enforce them, what's the point of even it having those It actually hurts place? worse than even not having them. Because now you're creating a little sense of like, oh, you kind of dinged me for this. You didn't ding Jim for this. Like now you're just creating an unnecessary kind of division amongst yeah. people. You're just, we have these rules, but kind of. Like, right. It, but they're bullshit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And so, and so, a lot of this accountability thing, it kind of falls um, into the next point that they made, which was uh, having vulnerability. And it, I mean, it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. If you're sh- showing that you're accountable for what you did, and you're you're willing to be like, "Look, I, this is why I fucked up," and you know, I, I recognize that, and like, you kind of make yourself vulnerable to it in the future, uh, or like. Oh, be, being open to hearing that critique of you. So let's say, you know, if they hold these officers or they say, you know, we haven't been in the past, but like we will moving forward very strictly, that's leaving the door open for them to make mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not saying they're going to be perfect, yep. but they're saying we're trying and this is what we're going to do. And then if they display that consistently over time, then they now show trustworthiness. Which then we can then, on our side, trust them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and this kind of comes into almost like what I kind of sum up like my whole kind of not a whole thought on this, but like just a common theme that comes popping out of everything coming out the last couple of weeks. You saying this is just this stuff is hard, man. It's hard to hold people accountable. It's hard to fix these fractured relationships. It's hard to kind of see what's going on in the world. <coughs> Excuse me. But that doesn't mean that we got to stop looking at it, thinking about it, talking about it, 
acting on it, doing all this stuff. Like, like just because it's hard to log on to Twitter every day and see what's happening doesn't mean we got to, like, stop logging on to Twitter and see what's going on. Like, that's, that's again, it's, I read this thing where it's like, these things take time, man. Like, change mm -hmm. takes time. People mm -hmm. want it to happen tomorrow, tonight. And Eli, you make a great point with, like, just holding people accountable and saying, like, yo, we're not perfect. We're going to make these mistakes, but we're going to learn from these mistakes now as opposed to just kind of sweeping them under the rug. I think that's a... That's an interesting path to kind of go down and explore. Yeah, and acknowledging the failures of those account those um, current, you know, uh, the current regulations yep. for accountability that are failing. Right. That's and that's one of the things that we've talked about this off mic, but um, that makes the story in Flint, Michigan, so uh, uplifting or hopeful. You know, um, from like last week where the cops essentially uh, met the protesters, dropped their helmets and shields, and joined, and basically the chief of police staged, said, let's let's have a parade instead, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is, that has to do with the vulnerability, Eli, like yeah. you said, you know? It has to come from both sides. And that is another, uh, that leads right into the most interesting thing of all of this that actually came from, my father. Shout out to my dad. Papa Brett. I had a long conversation with him. Best golfer this. in the family. <laughs> and uh, he he had an incredible point. And it, was, it revolved right around the trust. Um, he said, you know, we need to do our part as well, right? Like, policing is an extremely difficult job, and you're making a life or death decision in a split second. That's crazy. So what he suggested was that there just becomes a standard um, routine for when you're being arrested. So, you know, similar to, like, stop, drop, and roll. It would be, like, stop, drop, spread your limb, like, spread your, or put your hands on the back of your head or something like that. So mm. the second a cop goes to arrest you, he tells you the thing. You can make it easy as that. Stop, drop, right, obviously right, not roll, right. but like stop, stop drop, drop spread them. Stop, drop, stop, spread them. Roll away. Yeah. <laughs> stop, yeah. dropping cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah stop, yeah, dropping yeah. cop. Yeah. Put your hands behind your back. Something, right? Yeah. So, but it's just something where, okay, you then are protected by the law that the cop cannot use any physical, like any extra shit. He cannot tase you. He cannot beat you up. He cannot punch you. He cannot put his knee on your neck. He mm -hmm. cannot do anything. If he says, stop he has he has a valid reason and he says stop da 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 and your ass doesn't do that all bets are off now now you did you just no matter who you, you, just, you are you just like, waived your rights to the protection of not being not being subjected to any further physical harm and i think there right then and there that is a huge thing because dude the cop is on edge when he comes to talk to you yeah, mm -hmm. you're definitely not. If you're doing nothing or like even remotely reasonable, you'll do what he says. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? If yeah. you're not doing anything wrong and shit like that, just yeah. Does it suck ass that you got to do that? I absolutely. I'm not saying that's great, but like, right, dude, right. we got to do something too sure. on our end to make it easier for these guys. Yeah, and I th I actually don't think that's a terrible idea. I, is there? There's probably sure. There's criticism of it. Like, yeah, they could just be telling anybody to get down, and, sure. uh, you know, sure. bark like a dog, or whatever. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. Fucking sounds kind of stupid in that sense, but we got to do something on our end to make it 
easier for them because man, there's just every it's so easy to have a gun on you and shit like that and it's just well again like like you said about and it would make everything very black and white because here's the thing with these questionable murders and stuff like obviously george floyd that was fucking bullshit we all ever the whole world agrees that that guy murdered that guy right? Yeah, right but in a situation where it's like there was a bunch of guys running from a car doing this and that if if and if say something like that happens right mm-hmm. the first question you go oh did he stop dropping assume the position mm-hmm. and you go no well then you go oh, okay well <laughs> it would have never like then the guy would have never it yeah. would have never escalated to that point if there was a standard procedure yeah. and if it was not followed boom there you have all that like now now it's game on you don't know what's gonna happen you know you're taking that risk if you don't do what they tell you to do yeah i think what the struggle is that 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 is a good again standardizing the interaction with the police I mean, i'm down like, with yeah like i think i think what what struggles with especially right now is kind of your point of the cops are on edge i think cops are on more of an edge in different situations i think cops are right, on more of an edge is. when they're in a situation with black people as opposed to oh white no, yeah, I'm no not and i know you're I'm not, not saying, saying trust, no i'm not saying that you're not saying that and i think your point about accountability and everybody I'm realizing every everybody exactly everyone as the people everyone as the cops realizing that Currently, an interaction between a citizen and a police officer, more times than not, is uncomfortable, anxious, on edge, whatever term you want to use. Right. Varying degrees, but yeah. for the most part, all of those. And we're, we're moving away from accountability and we're moving away from protect and serve. I'm and saying we, let it be very clear that I was literally talking about me getting sure. down doing that Absolutely. shit when they said I'm I not th- talking about any. No, and, I, and I don't think anyone would misunderstand like you. What then. I'm trying to say is, yo, they if they need to come out and say, yo, we need to be more accountable, yep. blah, 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 and we need to be like, hey, we need to make your job easier. Yep. And yep. then right then and there, if we can just agree that, yeah, does that suck? Is it going to fuck up my T-shirt when mm-hmm. I get down on the shitty ground on Southside? Maybe, but dude, if it's, if it's, it lets that guy know, hey, I'm not going to fucking try to shoot you or some shit. Right, uh, right. Then, like, he can calm down. And then, I, you know, I know he's accountable. Yeah. And he's going to chill out. Uh, like, fucking, uh, he can calm down. Yeah. And then it de-escalated a little bit, you know? You just got you to gotta give a little bit. You can't, we can't just expect everything to be like, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want and the cops need to chill the fuck out. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think, I think that would, that's another... That would be a reform that would be effective for p- reducing the risk of violent, r- these violent interactions. Um, I guess the, this, the thing that we would, that would still need to be continued pushing for, or where the trust would still be uh, in conflict, is how many how many people of color are going to be asked to right. get yeah. down yeah. and lay down. Yeah, I'm not necessarily that saying would be the only I have did that. I wasn't right. pitching yeah. a solution to the current the, the my entire yeah, you're this was a trust. this is a small portion of um an idea of regaining trust. Yep. This isn't how I would fix the yes. Black Lives Matter versus right. the the, co- the um you know black people getting un- disproportionately treated unfairly exactly. by the police. Exactly. I there's way right. other more things that I feel about that that I would that would come before exactly what I talked about. Even. Right. But I think right. that specifically is, I think, something that's general that applies to everybody that mm-hmm. I think we can do. No. And I think it's interesting. And yeah. I think you yeah. make a great point, and, and if I'm wrong on this, please correct me. The current state of the world, and anything where there's kind of two sides to an argument, if you're in the camp that 
I have to do nothing to change and everyone else has to totally change everything else, that's a tough place to kind of come to a resolution. You know what I mean? And I think kind of that introspection and realizing like, how can we all be actively involved in changing the current state of things? Yeah. I know a lot of you are wondering how Trump Red Bricks has been able to secure these bricks at such a low cost and then pass the savings directly to the consumer. Where did they get all these bricks, you ask? Well, uh, to make a long story short, our dear leader, ever wise, infinitely powerful, was elected almost solely on the stipulation that he would construct a border wall to protect us from the terrorists at our southern border. So... During the campaign, they began mass manufacturing these cost-effective red bricks. Since then, the wall, um, progress has slowed. They're really, they're, there's not going to be a wall. And that's where we got the bricks. But in the words of Billy Mays, but wait, there's more. For every order of less than three Trump red bricks, they're going to throw in, for free, a homemade explosive device. While these homemade explosives have been designed specifically to bomb automated teller machines, ATMs, and then steal the money from inside them, Trump red bricks does not condone their use to that end. You should use these explosive devices to support the troops and celebrate on the 4th of July. Trump Red Bricks would like me to tell you that you should not believe the reviews that you may read online. There are many libelous reviews claiming that Trump Red Bricks were clearly stamped with the Make America Great Again slogan, then hastily spray-painted over and stamped again with the phrase, No Justice, No Peace. This is simply not true, and you should question the credibility of people claiming that they have seen the bricks with their own eyes surrounded by broken glass in the lobby of a large number of privately owned businesses. So listen, get your Trump red bricks at the next peaceful uh, protest that you attend. Power to the people. We'll see you at the rally. Now let's get started by letting me give you a little bit of a scenario of what my life is all about. Andy, I think you have a brand spanking new segment for the anybody's i do have a brand spanking new segment uh neighbor and i am uh and and eli (laughs) (laughs) eli's still here yeah Yeah. um and i'm excited about it because i think this is has the potential to be the most sustainable segment idea i've come up with for the entire like the entire time we've been working no pressure on yourself i'm terrible (laughs) i'm not good at thinking up segments that will like Last me more than one show. Don't tell people that. (laughs) (laughs) I think they can find it out, but we don't need to explicitly tell people. Um, But but this segment is called Andy's Library. I have an extensive collection of books. To, uh, we have seen the famous bookshelf multiple times. Mm-hmm. I've, I, I, yeah. I don't think I, I've ever seen a book move in that bookshelf. No, I'm just playing yeah, with you. True. You're a big no, reader. Like, I'm no, loaning no. them out. I'm just, I'm giving them away. I saw them moving one time. <laughs> I was gonna say he just rearranged <laughs> them every three yeah, days. Right, like, exactly. looks like flip turns this corner. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so when we have parties, I'll put a, an especially large one <laughs> yeah. out on the coffee I was table. Say, it was my vision. It wasn't the books. Movie. Shout out my yeah. boy 
it might I be thought Mags. they were moving. Yeah. When we were in college, I was a senior in college, I had a book next to my bed the whole year, probably touched it once the first <laughs> week, and he would just be like, still got that book over there, huh? Like, yeah. like right, just like, right. it's a nice little conversation piece when people yes. come over. Like, yes, exactly. Well, this is the segment that you may have been able to do had you ever read the book. <laughs> um, so all I'm going to do is I'm just going to pull sections of um, – from books that I'm reading or books that I have on my shelf, and I'm going to read a little section um, and talk about it. Um, and so for this particular episode, since we are sort of focusing on the uh, current tension, um, uh, specifically the current racial and policing, police brutality tension in um, the world today, in our country today, and, and globally, um, I wanted to read a poem by... Uh, a fantastic, um, you know, seasoned veteran poet um, who has been published actually by the University of Pittsburgh Press nice. multiple times. I don't know if he ever taught at Pitt. I'm not positive. Um, but his name is Ross Gay, and he also has a... Uh, he's, I, love, I love his stuff. So this is a poem that's been circulating pretty widely on a lot of poetry websites, um, etc. But I figured our audience, I don't know how many uh, of our audience members are tuning into those sites in particular. So I figured this, it would, this would be the platform. You will uh, be the medium. Yeah, yeah. I will be the Beautiful. medium. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Um, so this poem is called A Small Needful Fact. A Small Needful Fact is that Eric Garner worked for some time for the Parks and Rec horticulture department which means perhaps that with his very large hands, perhaps in all likelihood, he put gently into the earth some plants which most likely, some of them, in all likelihood, continue to grow, continue to do what such plants do, like house and feed small and necessary creatures, like being pleasant to touch and smell, like converting sunlight into food, like making it easier for us to breathe. I got goosebumps, man. Yeah, yeah, so did I. Yeah, for it's sure. a chilling one. And I mean, uh, you posted that on Instagram a few days ago too. Had goosebumps then, have goosebumps now, man. It, it's it's pretty powerful. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm Anything kind of you? speechless with it. I think it's. Uh, I hate when I say I just sit here and say it's incredible, but like, <laughs> it is, dude. It is. It's and and such a. No, I don't want to cut you off. And, and no, I had nothing to, that's it. No, like, I, I mean, the, the smallest things can be the most powerful. Mm -hmm. Good, bad, whatever. But, like, I think that's a great example of that. Yeah, and so so I'll, I'll get into this poem a little bit, Yeah, actually. please do. Yeah. Please do. Um, you have more insight than me. Right, and so, like, that's one of the reasons. But, see, the, the beauty of, that's the beauty of a good poem at the very least. The beauty of a good poem is that you two have these reactions, right? Your reaction is 100% legitimate whether you, you know a lot about poetry or not, right? right. So, um, which I think is metaphoric, metaphorically valuable, it, you know, in the last couple weeks in itself, just even that idea. But, um, so one of the things about this poem that makes it effective is, is that simplicity, right? It's using simplicity. It's using smallness. The language is not particularly dense, right? Succinct. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. And the mark of, the, of a good poem, really, is that it sneaks up on you a little bit and it gives you chills, right? So 
um, you're, you're having you're having great reactions to it. This poem is, um, if you could see it, you could see that it's 15 lines, um, which is one line bigger than a traditional sonnet. Okay, so you know, like Shakespearean yeah. sonnets. Mm -hmm. if you heard, of, you guys have heard of sonnets, right? So sonnet the hedgehog. <laughs> no, no. That's Sonic. Yeah, Sonic. Damn it. I told you to Sonic. read the book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no. So sonnets, they're like a traditionally romantic form. So there's when we you look at a poem and you see that it's 15 lines, um, you it makes you wonder like, okay, is this a sonnet, right? So he Ross Gay is using that intentionally. Yeah, he's using that intentionally, right, to instill this traditional assumption that there this. This may have something to do with, not necessarily romance, but love, intimacy, caring, yeah. you know, oh. compassion, right? Um, I got that. I yeah, got yeah. Yeah, okay. It, it, right. doesn't, it doesn't follow the classic rhyme scheme of right. a sonnet, but most contemporary sonnets. Iambic pentameter. Sonnets, exactly, that's it. Yeah, you iambic like pentameter. Yeah. yeah. It's a, and iambic pentameter is a... Is You're such a jerk. <laughs> You're such yeah. a jerk. Like, just that's just rude. Yeah, yeah. iambic pentameter is a line. It means that the lines of the poem are all ten syllables, and they follow a pattern of unstressed and stressed rhythms. And that pattern mimics the beat of the beating of the heart. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, wild, wild shit. Damn, I hate when you come on here and like do cool <laughs> stuff and make good points and just like just be. Cool. <laughs> I'm I'm finally starting to become it. articulate. Yeah. Know, I'm finally getting articulate at 30, on this show. At thirty yeah, at in season two. Right, like exactly. shout out. Better late than never, my exactly. G. I love you. Exactly. Took a pair of poopy um. pants. <laughs> <laughs> and a pair and a piece of lettuce. If you speeding <laughs> tickets, <laughs> you got there, One so one other thing though, one other quality of a sonnet that I'll mention is that it has a thing called a volta which is an Italian word that basically means a turn. So, and that usually occurs between the seventh and the ninth line of the sonnet. I think it's usually the ninth line. I could be wrong. It might be the eighth. But in this particular poem, uh, the turn occurs in the ninth line. So the poem is reading in one way, and then it shifts, right? It shifts. And the shift that sort of happens here that... And, and it's not really poetic language. We're getting all this uncertainty, right? We get, which means, perhaps, his very large hands, you know? Um, and obviously, again, this poem is about Eric Garner. Um, I, you know, uh, coincidentally or ironically, whatever the proper term is for this, you could apply this. You could almost put George Floyd's name in here, mm -hmm. and it would be instantly relevant, you know? So. Yep. Uh, which which says something about the effectiveness of this poem too, um, but it, it there's all this uncertain language early on, which means perhaps um, in all likelihood, uh, most likely, and you're like, I don't know as a as a reader, I'm like I don't know. Well, yeah, like when you're like? reading it like that, I'm like, is Andy throwing like these words? Like it it almost feels like yeah, it doesn't feel like again. I say this all the time, just like you guys said, I hate when I do this. It doesn't feel like the textbook. Poetry 101, like Robert yeah. Frost that you're reading. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah so. exactly. And, and, so, and so it's like there's this uncertainty. And then at line nine, the poem shifts and all of a sudden becomes pretty direct. You know, we get um, continue to grow, continue to do what such plants do. 
house and feed, be pleasant to touch and smell, convert sunlight into food, and then make it easier for us to breathe, you know? And uh, now, the, you know, that, that shift to certainty and directness um, starts to drive home the point for us. Yeah, he just set it up, you know, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He just was like wishy-washy, not wishy-washy, but no, kind he of used it. that soft language and was like, bang. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so, and, and there is, it's, there, it's interesting. The suggestion is like, if you doubted this before, maybe we can be clear now. If you doubted that this, was a, yep. this wasn't a problem before, maybe we can be clear finally after an example like this. Yeah. You know? that's, that's, it's cool. You know, it's even great. after you For read real. it the first time and then hearing you read it, you know, it's just then you explain it, it's even cooler than I thought it was. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the depth. That's, yeah, yeah that, the depth, you know what, man. dude, that's... Yeah, people get on, keep doing this. Yeah. Because people need to pay attention to this uh, shit. Because, you know what? This is exactly what happened to me as an artist, visual artist. I was, I would be like at the museums, like, like what the fuck is, oh, he splattered this on the wall, like, yep. duh, duh, <laughs> fucking stupid. Yep. And then I started to learn about how much intention went behind every single thing. Yeah. And yeah. hearing about it, it's unbelievably fascinating to <laughs> analyze something and see how fucking smart people are dude right and Andy, as, yeah. as much yeah. as it pains me to be nice to you um <laughs> like, i think as great as your personal poetry is kind of your expert deep dive into other people's poems i think it's something i'm very interested in hearing more about i hope ever i hope the anybody's feel the same because like again like i read this on your instagram mm-hmm. i was affected by it and then you came in here you reread it broke it down for us and now i'm even now it's just gonna stick with me like you know what i mean and it's just again it's just looking at it from a lens that i never even knew existed yeah and then when you see other poems now now you can you're a little more on now i'm turning past page one right (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, now you're on a little bit more yeah right and and you know exactly and i i will i will make an effort to keep doing this um and i and i think the most important thing to find like in closing to emphasize here is the is the thing that makes this poem work on the surface as well as its depth and it's this it's the it's the essence of hope that it provides you know the small needful fact is that is i think many things it's many things in this poem but i do also think what's so beautiful about it is that we are left with the i the final word which is breathe we are left with the potential this the seed that has been planted that very that has the that has gives us a chance to lead to something good you know that moves us towards growth moves us towards we got we got to keep the light at the end of the tunnel we got to hope that that growth and change is is still can happen yeah 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 for exactly sure. exactly well, well boys i mean it feels so Good. So good. To be back on these mics with you guys, man. I mean, I missed you guys. Like we said, uh, we were, we talked a lot about what we wanted to do on this episode, and, and something that we talked about a lot is what's going on in the world. It's, it's pretty unavoidable, and I think it's, it's good that it's unavoidable because that's, gonna, that's how it's, stuff's going to change. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that just because it's unavoidable and everybody's focused on it, that doesn't mean that uh, we can't have some other stuff in our life, too, I think. I think that balance is important, too, not losing sight of the real issues at hand that need to change. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that can be changed with, if we just, as corny as it sounds, man, just 
be nice to everybody. Treat people how you want to be treated. I think I think we can avoid some of this bullshit. So I don't know if you guys have any final thoughts, but uh, if you don't, we'll see everybody on Monday. Right on, baby. No words of wisdom? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, that's not it. You know, I well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's just how I, you know, that's how the show, it starts the show. Here's that's how the show here. goes. If you want some change, change yourself first.